Professional wrestling superstar, champion, entrepreneur, author, and show host. Feed you more interviews, more stories, more information, and more laughs than ever before. <laughs> Conversation with the big guy, Ryback, starts now. Welcome to Conversation with the Big Guy, Ryback. I am the big guy, Ryback, and today I have the author of Your Brain on porn, Gary Wilson, for one of the most fascinating conversations I believe we're going to have, one of the most insightful conversations I believe we're going to have on this podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, Gary Wilson. Hey, how you doing? So I, I, I reached out to you because years ago, I discovered in, 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 in the WWE locker room, one of the wrestlers, uh, actually, and I believe it was Sammy, this guy, Sammy Zane, who's on TV right now, uh, in, in wrestling room conversation locker room conversation you never know what's going to come up and that the, the the topic of porn in our brains somehow came up with him he's a very knowledgeable insightful guy uh a deep reflecting guy and i believe that was the first time i'd ever even heard anything remotely that could even be remotely negative with it in in, in porn use and whatnot and it i ended up writing a book uh when i left wwe wake up it's feeding time and i came across the your brain on porn website and and I got some information, and I actually stopped watching porn myself for, I don't know if it was a month and a half, two months, and it was great. And then I just kind of just went back to it because I was like, oh, I don't have a problem and whatnot. But it was, I didn't realize there were books on this yet. And I read all the time and listen to different books. And then just recently, I came across your book and the, and the porn myth, and, and I'm getting some other ones and stuff. And this is so fascinating to me because... I feel like the majority of the world and just people, men, women, they don't associate anything negative with, with porn use. And your book was just so refreshing. And I think it's a book that everybody needs to read uh, to be more self-aware. But what drew you to this? When did, what, what made you so fascinated with this? And, and how did this all come about? Yeah, well, I, I blame my wife. I just have <laughs> a few things out of the way. Uh, first of all, I'm in my 60s, uh, so I didn't grow up using porn or yeah. internet, obviously. But uh, I, I'm liberal. I'm an atheist. I'm pretty far left liberal. I'm an atheist. I don't care what anyone does. Sort of a libertarian. I had no thoughts on porn at all. In fact, my dad worked for uh, the county health department, and he did sex education. So this was in the 60s. He did sex education. Uh, very, very liberal. So. What occurred was my wife and I, we wrote some articles. She had a website. On that website, she had articles that we wrote together. They were science-based articles. And her website was about relationships, about sexual relationships. And the articles had maybe keywords like dopamine, orgasm, reward center, ejaculation, maybe even addiction, other things. And so she also had a forum, but the forum was for couples and it was about relationships. Nothing to do with porn. There wasn't even the word porn on her website. In 2006, all of a sudden, out of the blue, men started showing up on her website and posting on her forum. Hey, you know, I think about porn's messed up my sexual functioning. Hey, I've escalated into some really weird stuff. Can you help me? And she's like, what are you doing here? 
How they came about to be end up on her forum today, we still don't know. Well, as Google would do, it archived their post and more guys showed up and more guys showed up. And so she's watching over the next several years, her forum, which was about relationships, turn into basically what is a locker room about guys with porn and do sexual dysfunctions, talking about how their dicks don't work, how, you know, they can't get it up. So here we are. Maybe it's 2009, 2010. She writes and I write some articles for Psychology Today. Good Man Project asked us to write a few articles. And I say, honey, we're really stepping into a hornet's nest. So we wrote some articles. More men showed up on her forum until it was just overrun. Then in 2010, she said, you know, can you make just a little website to organize some of their recovery stories, some of the science, maybe put up a few articles, put up some uh, research. And I did. And I put up yourbrainonporn.com. And all of a sudden that blew up. I thought it was just be a, a part time thing. It blew up, got very popular. I followed the links back to where these uh, people were coming from, and they were on all these forums where men congregate, you know, everything from car forums, sports forums, guitar forums, you name it. And then I was asked to do a TED Talk in 2012, and then it blew up. So what's happened is this whole your brain on porn has sort of taken over my life and become something I never anticipated but the reason we did it, and here's sort of the thing, the reason we did it is because men were suffering and men didn't know that so many problems could occur from their porn use. Besides chronic erectile dysfunction and the inability to orgasm and no longer excited by real partners, they found that when they gave it up, uh, the brain fog went away or their lack of motivation went away or even such things as social anxiety, depression, emotional numbness, numbness sort of disappeared. So there were many negative effects that were occurring due to their chronic porn use that they had no idea were connected to their porn use. So that's the short story. Yeah, that is so in, for me, because it's crazy, because I grew up in an era where and I was born in 1981 where, and I remember being in high school, I believe, when AOL and online really became a thing. And even then, I think it's the progression of like, I kind of grew up partially without it, it very partially without it. And then, in, but I remember when I first came across a lot of this information and I look back, I go, I remember in like just being a kid and, you know, seeing magazines, a Cosmopolitan magazine or a Victoria's Secret magazine. And that was to me, very exciting. And then just looking at I go like where I am now compared to that and going through the progression of online, but in, in, and then you had DVDs and VHS and whatnot. But back then you would have to, there was a, it wasn't as accessible. You'd have to go into a store and that would oftentimes it would limit the amount of people that are going to go in, and do that sort of thing. But the game changer in looking back through my life was in WWE when the smartphones first started, became a thing. And I don't know if that was in 2007 or eight, if I'm not mistaken, I think right in that period. Cause I'll, and I remember, I remember thinking like, Whoa, we have like the internet on these things and the access and going back and I'm hearing some of your past discussions. That's about the time that these problems have all amplified for men and women. Correct. It was when the, 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 in the beginning stages of the smartphones, 
Well, it was really in the beginning stages of the tube sites, and it is a sort of hard to separate them. Tube sites, which were invented around 2006, is where you could stream yeah. you know, porn and, of course, put it up into little three-minute clips, put it up in tabs, and go from session to session. In fact, the first men that showed up on my wife's forum with porn-induced sexual problems, and they recovered from them, which shows that that was the cause, they, they were techies. So they had access to, you know, all of this high speed technology and they knew how to download material. But it was really we saw an explosion, you know, 2008, 2009. And of course, now you have the smartphones combined with the tube sites. So really, if we think about it, before 2006, not before the Internet, but before 2006, 2006 was the first time a person could set up a bunch of short clips masturbate to first lesbian porn, then get bored two minutes later and then go to uh, bestiality or go to whatever, you know, rape porn. And he the person could control their sexual arousal by clicking from video to video. So this was the first time that this existed. And so this was the big game changer was the tube sites. Now, what's happening when you talk about the tube sites and people going from video to video. And I was actually in talking to a girl that I know about this and she has, I I I told her was just talking to her just and just having a discussion. I go, you should check out these books. I knew she was a reader and she ended up, she got your book and listened to the whole thing overnight at work. And she called me the next day thanking me. I didn't even realize she has a severe problem with all of this. And we actually got into a discussion of with these, like the tube sites, she actually, enjoys the the search and keeping the just that going and going and going and going and became addicted to that part of it what's actually going on with our brains when people are doing this because i and i can relate to this in going back at different times that you you get caught up in the search in different things and you, you kind of you're keeping your brain excited that whole time and i know that ties all in with dopamine and our neural pathways but can you explain that for people what's kind of going on when we're doing this yeah, so this applies not only to porn, but to much of our life and, of course, the Internet itself. Yeah. So in your brain, you have these ancient systems called the reward system. And the reward system is deep within the brain, and it's evolved long ago. And it's pretty much the same in us as it is in rats and all other mammals. And it is driven by dopamine. And dopamine activates the reward system. And what then activates dopamine? Well, anything that is potentially an important reward, such as, you know, food and sex and uh, achievement and novelty. And what dopamine does, dopamine isn't really about pleasure. Those are other neurochemicals like the opioids. Dopamine is seeking. It is searching. It is wanting. It is trying to motivate you to go get it. So every decision you make moment to moment, whether you're on Twitter and deciding to click on something new or not click on something new, is really about dopamine. Dopamine is the barometer. You see a, a picture of some interesting news article and dopamine goes up in anticipation and it says, go for it. Go get it. And so you click on that new article and you start reading it and pretty soon you get bored and then you click on something in the sidebar. Maybe it's something about, you know, some famous movie star and then you click and you click and you click. And so each time prior to you clicking on something new, you get a little squirt of dopamine. So unlike in the past, the Internet actually 
grabs hold of that evolutionarily set mechanism of seeking for rewards that keep you alive and further, you know, the continuation of your genes. And it does it in a magnificent way. So that's why you can have Facebook addiction. There are literally studies that show it. Twitter addiction, of course, gaming addiction. And of course, let's go back to sex. Well, sex is our highest level of dopamine and our highest level of opioids. And it's our number one job is to reproduce. And we have innate circuits for sex in our brain. We don't have innate circuits for Twitter. We don't have innate circuits for first person shooter. So it really grabs us. And so the search, people are often aroused. Guys mention this, just like your friend, that the search itself is more exciting than the actual finding. So, yeah, it really, you know, the Internet itself powerfully hijacks this searching novelty, let's go get it mechanism, which is the reward system. It's so interesting. I know for me, and I went reading this, and here's, I really, really was drawn to this for the fact that I felt, and over the years, and I, I always kind of chalked it up to being on, on the road constantly and living in hotel rooms in my, the environment, wrestling for WWE constantly in airports becoming a zombie i had always attributed me kind of being mentally a little bit numb to things and i felt like i and i that dopamine thing really really hit home with me because i've often said i go what's wrong with me now because i don't i kind of i'm very positive minded and i i tend i've always looking for the good and everything but i noticed i never really felt happiness at the levels that i used to feel it at or even sadness for that matter i felt like just kind of numb to things and I look back and I and it all started for me in WWE and I wouldn't say I'm kind of always been in control of everything but I do realize I go cuz this is what happens for like wrestlers you're living on the road and especially single or not single but you're on the road you're performing you're constantly have highs and lows with adrenaline you're you're driving all night from in to get to hotel to hotel and typically to unwind start developing habits where and I remember for me personally I had had an addiction to chewing tobacco and I wouldn't say I would say, but I had a habit of a routine every night before I went to bed with chewing tobacco and porn to unwind and go to bed. That became habit after years and years and years. And I look back and I, it all started at some point in, in WWE for me and escalated where I felt more and more disconnected from other, from other women is is time has gone on and i go is it just getting older and i go well, i'm not i'm not fucking old i'm 37 i'm like i i mean this started years ago and i go what the hell's going on and then this just reading this book just just woke me up with all of this and to me it was a no-brainer and I, i'm weeks now into this of like to, for me and i never have any intention of ever going back understanding the the power of this the dopamine and, and sex and, and we're meant to reproduce and how powerful this stuff is, but I think it's important too. Like from my point of view, I really want to raise awareness for people just because I think it's like anything. And I can't remember if it was in your book book or the, the porn myth, but they kind of equated it where it's to, this is like this generation cigarettes where there, there's not a lot of research. There's research now coming out obviously about it. But to me, I just feel like cause people are going to do what they want to do. And I don't want to say like, you can't watch this. This is bad for you. It's going to ruin you. But don't you believe like this stuff should have a warning for for humans, especially the kids that are now being raised on this or, or access to this? I should say that it should have some type of warning. And with the where are we in the research on this uh, as far as is making progress as far just to help raise awareness on it? 
Well, that's a lot of different questions. As far as having a warning, I think that would be significant. Uh, you mentioned adolescence. So I think it's important to back up a little bit and just discuss the adolescent brain. Yeah. Uh, and the adolescent brain is completely different from a child's brain or an adult's brain. It is really an overdrive of changing. And, of course, we can see that in behaviors of adolescents. So we can remember back to adolescence. Our deepest, most significant memories occur in adolescence. And why is that? Well, during adolescence, you have tremendous reorganization. And one of the things that's going on is it's taking billions and billions of nerve connections and pruning them maybe billions per day. And what it's doing, it's reshaping the brain and making it more efficient from age maybe 11 up to 23, 24, so that you have an adult brain that's very efficient. But what's going on is you are laying down the habits, the memories, uh, the conditioning that will stay with you for life. And the adolescent brain it produces higher levels of dopamine than at any other time, usually peaks around 15. It's much more sensitive to dopamine. It also produces more opioids uh, in response to novelty, in response to sexual stimuli. So it's at that perfect peak where it can be changed. And so think about an adolescent male. So you may have an adolescent male like me who grew up and I have maybe a poster of Farrah Fawcett on the wall yeah. and maybe if I want to masturbate or think about something, I look at that. Or if I want to think about just getting off at age 13 masturbating, I'm thinking about the girl in math class next to me. We're using our I brains, though, essentially still. Right. Yeah. And so I have, you know, all I can think about is looking at her boobs. Yep. But now that adolescence uh, sexual template is shaped by Internet porn. His imagination is completely gone. He's watching choking videos, yeah. gang break videos, and that's how he becomes aroused. So now he's masturbating to porn, little short clips, year in and year out from age 12 to 16 before he even kisses a girl. So it shapes his sexual template. And here's the deal. We really saw a change back in 2010, 2011. The men who had porn-induced erectile dysfunction, the older men in their 30s and 40s, they recover completely within about eight weeks. Then we started seeing the young men who grew up using Internet porn. They need four months, five months. Now some of them are reporting needing a year, wow. two years just to get an erection with a real partner. And these are guys who are 23 years old at their peak of health. And yet, even after they quit, and heal and can finally get an erection, oftentimes it takes them even longer. They say, I've gotten guys who keep reporting back to me six years in and saying, you know, sex is getting better six years later. So that just shows wow. you the power of the adolescent brain and how internet porn can affect it. Because, well, for two, that's a great thing here. Like, what age did we do, typically before all of this, would you say was for erectile dysfunction in men? What was like the age that was like that? What was the, the research showing was the, the, the number that that was for men that that would typically start in before all of this? Was it yes. I, I published a, a peer reviewed review of the literature with U.S. Navy doctors on this a few years ago. So this is something I definitely know about. So when you look at young men, and you look at all the studies, like Kinsey was the first to do one back in 48. And he said for men under 30, uh, maybe erectile dysfunction was 1%. Yeah. And then uh, several studies were done. And by 2002, there was a review of the literature. And it said, well, you know, consistently, all these different studies 
found that it was about 2% for men under 40. Then things started to change. Studies started to come out in 2009, 2010, and now there's 10 studies with erectile dysfunction rates for men under 40 of between 14 and 37%. Wow. And even low libido in men under 40 up to 37%. Now, is this another thing with the porn that it can cause low libido as, as well in men? That's another? Yeah, so usually erectile dysfunction, you know, complete erectile dysfunction with a partner is the final step in porn-induced sexual problems. But there's a lot of ones that come prior to that. First of all, uh, the most obvious is porn is more exciting to you than a real person. Yeah. Or you just can't get excited. Another one is very, very common is delayed ejaculation or the inability to orgasm with a real partner. Other ones are escalating to new and different genres of porn in order to be excited. But the final step is the inability to achieve an erection at all with a real partner. And I just want to point something out to uh, your listeners. If you want to test to see if you have porn-induced ED, here's a simple test. It's not perfect. But go ahead and, of course, masturbate to porn. And you go, well, how's my erection? Oh, it's decent. It's pretty good. I can keep it up. Now, turn off the porn. Don't think about the porn. Don't uh, fantasize and try to masturbate just straight up. And if you can't get an erection without porn, and yet you can get a good erection with porn, that's a pretty good indication that you may have porn-induced ED. And there's even different levels where even people, because there's all different levels to this, right? Where there's people that even can maybe do that. And then with a partner, they're still disconnected and whatnot because they formed such an addiction in a, in a, with, with masturbation and with porn. Is that correct? Yeah. So what they're doing is basically conditioning themselves to everything associated with their porn use. Yeah. So what that is, of course, what does that look like? I mean, it's, it's being a voyeur, so they need to watch. And of course, you can't you know, click on a screen, click on a screen while you're having sex. The other is the novelty. They train the brain to need novelty. That's clicking from video to video. They need to maybe view a hundred different porn videos just to get off. And as you said, searching and seeking. And so they're conditioning their arousal to something that doesn't match what's going on in the bed. And that's really sort of the core cause a conditioning of the brain, just like Pavlov's dog was conditioned to the sound of the belt uh, to salivate, thinking it's getting food. Well, a chronic porn user is conditioning their entire sexual arousal to their porn use, and real sex, as you know, doesn't match that. And now, are we seeing, too, and you, you mentioned in with, the, with the younger teenagers and whatnot, and they're being exposed to this at a young age, what is the research showing now? At what age are we seeing now Young, like young guys getting erectile dysfunction or porn induced erectile dysfunction. Do they have research when now what what age that is starting at for the younger generation? Not really research like that. That you know, there's mostly a, the research connecting porn use to sexual problems is indirect and not directly on porn induced ED. The research is pretty poor in that area. However, you know, all you can do is just look at the erectile dysfunction rates yep. and see them really high uh, in young people. One, one particular uh, study from Italy sort of looked at this and they, they looked at high school seniors and the ones that didn't look at porn, 0% had low sexual desire. That's what you expect with an 18-year-old guy. Absolutely. 
But the ones that looked at porn more than once a week, 16% of 18-year-old guys had low sexual desire. Now, I grew up, and I swear, no one on the planet my age had low sexual desire unless they had some chronic you know, condition. It just wasn't a part of my history. Are there, with, as far as the research goes, and with Big Pharma, and I always talk about on this show, kind of in life, there's a good way to do business and a bad way, and how all these big businesses have merged together, and you got the porn industry, and they are fully aware of what they're doing, and you got Big Pharma. Are, are these, do you think this stuff is being held up at all on purpose because they don't want this stuff to come out? And because I've, I've found oftentimes, and then even with myself in stem cell therapy in the United States, and how we've held that back, and how much that's helped me in having to go to another country and fix my back and my shoulder. And it, sometimes it feels like we, we hold things back sometimes if we, if there's a, a deeper underlying meaning to it with, with, with money and whatnot. Have you, have you found that the research is slow possibly because of this with them or, or like, why aren't we looking into this more? Yeah, well, that's a complex issue. And I think I, I really can relate to your stem cell thing. I was one of the first people to get prolotherapy back oh, wow. in 19. 19- Back in 1985, I had to travel to Milwaukee to get it. Only two or three doctors did it. He, he the doctor there, sat me down. And talked. We talked hours about how the insurance companies were trying to hold it back. Yep. So I'm well aware of that. Yes, there is, as you saw, even when you were online contacting me over the weekend, there's this troll trying to steal my website's URL. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's crazy. So, yes. There are people out there, uh, I can name them, Nicole Prouse, Daniel Burgess, David Lay. They have, you know, some of these people have PhDs and they, they are on a campaign to, uh, to support the porn industry's agenda. Some of them are trying to shut down my website. Some of them chronically defame me, attack me. They attack others. It's gotten so bad that some of these people like Nicole Prouse has a defamation lawsuit against her for harassing and defaming people who are, you know, talking about porn's negative effects. So, yeah, there are people out there who are doing this overtly. But if you step back even further, the academic world, you know, the academics that research sex, they often are of the view and they come out of similar schools of thought that porn use can never cause problems. And so since they've been saying that for years, for decades, uh, in their classes, in articles, now that there's evidence coming forward that, in fact, porn use, internet porn use, that is, can cause sexual dysfunctions and myriad of other problems, they are fighting back against it because it's, of course, hard for a researcher to all of a sudden do a flip-flop and say, you know, guys, for those 30 years, I was full of crap. Yeah. And so this was really part of our story, my wife's and I's story, is she's on a listserv, probably the largest academic listserv there is on the internet, and has been on there for 10 or 11 years. And when these men started showing up on my wife's website, she said, hey, guys, talking to the researchers, could you research this? Because the men are actually giving up porn and healing chronic sexual problems. And they wrote back saying, no way, we're not going to research it. In fact, that'd be the same as researching unicorns. So not only did they disparage the concept, ultimately, over the next few years, they moved to disparaging us personally because I don't know why, 
but they're just stuck in their way. So what you really have uh, to sum up is you have, yes, there's some that are actively trying to destroy the message and the messenger. And there are those who just poo-poo it and refuse to research it. And then there's the very fact that very few people actually study pornography because it's just the way it is. Uh, there's yeah. not money for it. And I'm of the, like what I was saying, the belief of, and again, it's, you know, raising awareness. And I have actually, I, my show used to have a Phoenix Maria famous porn star on it, who I'm very good friends with. And I'm friends with several others. And I, I'm of just the belief of when I, I know firsthand, like reading this and I go, you know what? I can relate to this on different levels on different things. I know this stuff is legit. It needs to be looked into more. And for me, it's always, it's like my, my supplement with feed me more nutrition. I'm very against aspartame and sucralose artificial sweeteners and very pro positive stevia, monk fruit, more natural things. And, but you can't like, and I found for me, and you don't want to be judgmental on people and be like, you can't use this at all. And I, I go, this is my story. And if you can relate to this, this is, you know, this has helped me. And these are the symptoms I had. And I feel like with this, it, it, it's much the same, but I wanted to ask you, have you, have you had any, cause Joe, I feel like you being on the Joe Rogan show would do so much for this. And has that been anything that's been discussed or even uh, possibly been discussed for the future? Well, there's certainly a lot of my followers would like me to be on there. However, Joe Rogan, from what I've seen, you know, he's gotten people on there who have actually already defamed me and attacked me. Really? PhDs. And so it would be a hard choice for him to have me on there because then these people who are very well connected and have, you know, are pretty well names would get uh, some of these enemies on there like Nicole Prowse, David Lay, and then they would just defame me. So I think what's important is to have, have an actual debate uh, with experts, academic experts, and that would be good rather than making it all about Gary Wilson or what I put up on my yeah. website. I'm an anatomy and I was an anatomy and physiology teacher, pathology teacher. So no, I don't have a PhD. Yes, I taught these classes. So I think it should be debates between the real experts in Absol the field. Yeah, no, I understand. Well, Gary, but how many people are members of these forums? Because there's all these online forums, the Reboot Nation, Your Brain Rebalanced, Your Brain on Porn, the nofap.com. What, what is these communities? Do you have a rough idea of how many members are actually on these on these boards? Well, yeah, there's members and there's how many use it. I mean, yeah. I could even click on NoFap now. I think it's well over 400,000. There it is. Ah, it's close to 500,000. Uh, porn Free, Reddit Porn Free, which is a really good one. They have over 100,000. Uh, there's NoFap.com. Their members are into the hundreds, thousands. And then, as you said, Reboot Nation, Your Brain Rebalance. So these are just the members. Now, of course, the Internet, a lot more than the members show up. So these are pretty pretty huge uh, yeah. and very active forums. Millions and, of people, most likely. Right. And for every one person that posts, there's probably about 500 that show up just to read the post. So that right there, to, to me, that tells me that there's definitely an issue of some sorts that men are finding this, men, there are a problem. But it's also not just men, right? It's women. And I was reading, and it makes perfect sense, and a lot of the women that I know actually are all consumers of porn, which actually surprised me because I just never really, it was not something, you hear porn, you just kind of always associate it with men. You don't hear women talk about it nearly as often, but with the the creation of the smartphones, because before, like I touched on, you would have to go into the, the DVD or VHS store and you'd have to go buy your 
You'd have to go into the gas station to buy the magazine and whatnot. And that, that limited the amount of people that did that sort of thing. Now we all have access to this stuff on our, on our PCs, our phones and whatnot. So the, the porn use in women has gone up considerably, right? Yeah, but you know, very few studies, the rates are all over the place and there's very few recent studies looking at the rates and often they'll look at the rates of maybe a college class, like a couple psychology classes. So it's, and and then the people who are taking, who are in college and taking a psychology class, that's not representative of the whole population. So the rates are all over the place, but it's very clear that the rates of use have gone up. The recent uh, Australian study found that 100% of young men ages 15 to 29 had viewed porn and 82% of young women. So that's really high because when you look back even 10 to 15 years at a representative sample of the United States, it was only like 2 or 3% of women had viewed porn in the last month. Now that's a representative sample. So that's hard to compare. Yeah. But clearly use is going up. There's no doubt about that. And women's use is going up. And one of the most common questions I get since so many of the studies are on men, uh, women, is like, how does this affect women? How does it affect women? And there's not much information out there. And of course, studies on pretty much anything are de- are sometimes 10 to 20 years behind yeah. reality, as we all know, right? Well, what symptoms are you hearing about from in the forms that women are having? Because I would well, imagine that's your best right there, just hearing from them directly. Yeah. So the whip. So here's the thing: the difference between men and women is men have penises, and the guy knows at age 22 that his penis is supposed to get hard yeah. when he's in front of a partner. The women, on the other hand, don't have such a great barometer. So when they are not getting turned on or they can't orgasm, they'll blame it on their partner or yeah. something else. So it's really a lot harder for the women to recognize the sexual problems. But that is the number one problem that they show up with, at least the motivation. Like, man, you know, I just realized watching all this porn, I can't get off to my boy boyfriend at all. And I finally made the connection. So that's the number one uh, reason women are showing up sexual problems. I actually, too, know a, a younger woman that was telling me that I met over when I was over in Australia. She was telling me that she's really, really big in, in, into just learning and knowledge and she didn't realize she had a, had a severe problem. She has grown up with this stuff, and she thought she just was never into any of her partners and disconnected and whatnot. But exactly what you just said right there, and she's she's a younger woman where you would think there's no way that should be going on. It's it's crazy though, but it's that there is a connection with all of this and whatnot. And so, the women will not only say, "Okay, I'm watching porn," but I'm also pulling out my vibrator at you know yep. ten cycles per minute or whatever it is. And so no human, no boyfriend is going to match that. No, that's a great point. Great point on all that. Now, Gary, with social media and all this, so you find out now, here's my question. Cause I, as soon as in reading this and really diving into this and for my business, I'm on social media all the time and it's been the best thing ever for my business, but we're being exposed to now and, and take Instagram is the best use because of, of the pictures. You have all these women posting different things. Now, What's happening with our brains too? Like, you know, cause and I'm, I think I'm on day like 17 or day 18 of this. And, and I have so many things that like my, my mental focus is better. I've already started noticing. I feel I'm already, I, I noticed small changes already. And like, it's where I have enough information. I go, yep, this is, I'm never going back to that ever again, just for my own personal well-being. 
and whatnot. But what are we seeing like with the social media and, and specifically for men? Cause I feel like we see women now are doing a lot more sexual posts for attention and for likes and all of that. And then that's a whole other conversation, but what is it with our brains? Is this, is this not as bad as porn? Cause I find myself now turning away from it, not digesting it like I would before because I don't want anything. I want to just get away from it. What are your thoughts on this with like with like Instagram, for example, and, and the and the these women posting the sexier post and whatnot? Are is that having a negative effects on our brains? Well, when you talk about the effects on the brain, you want, really want to talk about pretty simply that's easily understood, and that's conditioning. So. Yeah. Now, whether you're looking at Instagram models or you're watching porn, it's conditioning the brain in two ways. If you're watching porn and watching people doing it, so it's conditioning your brain, oh, this is how I should do sex. I should mimic it. Uh, the other one is conditioning it, oh, I need this kind of uh, stimulation to be aroused. So if you're constantly looking at uh, perfect Instagram models all the time and clicking from one to the next, uh, then you're sort of conditioning your arousal to, wow, I need this visual. I need to watch these. I need a woman or man that looks this good in order to be sexually aroused. Yeah. So what it sets up in your brain is a comparison, you know, comparing X to Y. And that's what dopamine's about. Dopamine's about compares, comparing. And if something is better than expected, you get a big dopamine surge. If it's worse than expected, your dopamine drops. And when your dopamine drops, your arousal drops. So let's say that someone says, hey, you know, you should go to this restaurant. It's the best restaurant ever. Great food. So you go to the restaurant and you have the dinner and you say to your wife, you know, that that's good, but it wasn't as good as I expected. And so what do you feel? You feel disappointment. Your yeah. dopamine is dropped. Well, if that person hadn't told you, you would have gone in and go, wow, that was great. Uh, so it's all about expectations. So what you're doing is you're conditioning your expectations. And when you are comparing unconsciously your girlfriend to, you know, 200 different Instagram models, you have sort of an unconscious, oh, disappointment. Yeah. So that is what could occur. Is that too? Because you and we hear this and we're seeing studies with with social media that people that use it the most are suffering, and especially young people, and, and as well as older people, they have higher rates of depression. I would imagine that it's all connected to that, and to the dopamine and the expectations, right? Absolutely. So there, I have, I actually uh, put these studies on my site. I have like 1,500 uh, studies on internet addiction. Hundreds of them connect depression, social anxiety, poor mood uh, to internet use. Facebook specifically and Twitter. And then you go, well, that's not causation, but actually I have a whole list of about 80 causation studies and they've actually done causation studies where people have quit Facebook and their scores on depression uh, decreased, their anxiety decreased, their mood increased, or they've actually taken people who who didn't game and they started them on gaming for a week and their their scores on cognition, their ability to think, their mood changed significantly. So there are causation studies also. Yeah, you know, the benefits, it's amazing. Some of the most key benefits that people describe is uh, they think better, yep. their mood is better, they're more confident, they have more energy. And one of the interesting ones is Real world activities are more enjoyable. Food tastes better. Music sounds better. The girlfriend looks better. So yeah, I think the internet is really affecting us this way. 
Yeah, it's all about balance because I and like I always talk about. There's so many. There's a lot of good with this and being able to be connected. And for example, like being able to get connected with you, just another example that wouldn't necessarily have had that opportunity without social media. But I think it's just as humans, it's good to have these conversations. To like, look, it's all about balance at the end of the day, and we have to be aware. This technology, as great as it is, there are some some drawbacks to this, and that they are addicting, and that we have to just be self aware and because they can consume us. And I know this firsthand and whatnot. It, it's very, very powerful stuff. And I think just talking about it is, is a great first step for a lot of people because not everybody associates this stuff with how they're feeling necessarily and whatnot. But I wanted to wrap up with you, Gary, with this and, and talking about the rebooting for people because we can give them a little bit of information. And, and for people that maybe want to look further into this and whatnot, I highly suggest your brain on porn your book. It's incredible. But can you explain rebooting to people? And and there's different levels to this, I know. But I, like I said, I'm on day 18 of not, I'm done not watching any pornography. I feel great. I've noticed my focus is already improving on different things. I'm, I'm already happier. I've noticed and a lot of this too kind of connects to my health. I feel good. My pain is a lot less than what it was the last few years. But I, when you talk about like being more social and things um, and granted working all the time, but I find myself actually being a little it's crazy how you just get addicted to it and you just have it in your back pocket. But when you kind of take it out of the equation, it kind of opens up real life to you once again. But can you explain rebooting to people for people that want to kind of maybe take the next step with this? Yeah, well, it's it's a term that the man who uh, gave up porn and saw the benefits uh, came up with. Rebooting the computer, you know, was where it came from. And of course, you're not rebooting the settings at all or wiping away the memory, but they came up with this. And what it means is taking a time out from Internet porn use, from all porn use. And what we say is taking a time out from artificial sexual stimulation. So and, and there's no particular time frame on it, though. A lot of guys like to do 90 days. Some guys stop masturbation for that period of time. But that's not what rebooting is. It's giving up Internet porn. Yeah. But also what I want to suggest is don't do porn substitutes. So the guys will go on to YouTube or Instagram, et cetera, yep. and, or Facebook and just go through a bunch of uh, pictures or they'll go to Tinder and they'll just flip through things. No, give up artificial sexual stimulation. Get your stimulation through real life. And that way what it does is it resets the brain. It doesn't mean that you're getting over an addiction necessarily. That may take longer and it may take you replacing your addiction with other things, you may need therapy, but it's letting you see, just like you're experiencing, how the internet, specifically internet porn, has affected you. So that's what rebooting is, and you can go to my website, surely, and you can go to resources or articles, click on there, we have 12,000 pages of free material, you don't have to buy the book, and then you can go on to these forums, these very active forums like NoFap or Reboot Nation, and, and talk to people and get encouragement. And uh, we have a bunch of FAQs because the same questions come over and over again. For example, a lot of guys who quit, they experience what's called a flat line. All of a sudden, they have no libido. They feel, feel as though their yep. penis shrinks. They're scared to death. So we have a question, you know about the flat line. So those FAQs are also on the site. Anyhow, the thing is, it's an experiment. Try it for yourself. You have nothing to lose. If you want to go back to porn, it'll always be there for you. That's great. No, I think that's uh, this stuff. I, I thank you tremendously for, for what you've done and what you're doing. And uh, I'm curious, are there any other, because I, I thought I saw 
Was Lamar Odom, did he recently come out and say that he's like given up porn? Or you do you know? I know that was it's just something you don't hear. It's not talked about that often. I feel like well, it, Terry Cruz has been talking about it for a few years. Okay. Odom just came out in the last few weeks talking about how porn had ne- negatively affected him and how he gave it up and he's with a, a real partner. So it's really you see very few people talking about it, obviously, who wants to talk about it. Yeah. But yeah, he came out and did it. And uh, I just want to mention something because you asked about the research uh, before we get done is, yes, there is research. And at the front of my page, there's the research page. And there's actually 44 brain studies on porn users and sex addicts. And every single one of those brain studies have found the same brain changes that occur in a drug addict. So, yes, there's complete uh, empirical support for the claims we're making and all the studies pretty much that have been uh, done so far have supported that Internet porn use can re- cause the same brain changes that you see in other addictions. Good deal. Gary, I, I thank you again for your time. It was a pleasure to get to speak to you here. And guys, we're going to be right back after these messages. What's going on, guys? It's the big guy Ryback. And I want to tell you guys about this exciting new company I'm working with. Recently, I've been dealing with pain in both my back and shoulder, as you know and other areas of the body. Recently, I've been doing the stem cell therapy here in the United States, but I decided I wanted to take my recovery up a notch. And that's when I came across a stem cell facility located in Medellin, Colombia, called BioAccelerator. BioAccelerator is the global leader in stem cell therapy. They offer a state-of-the-art medical facility with the ability to treat patients with tens of millions of active adult stem cells to help them recover from injury and major medical complications. BioAccelerator currently offers treatments for a variety of conditions ranging from orthopedic injury, spine and disc injury, chronic pain, ED, and even severe autoimmune disease. BioAccelerator also has something for you men and women out there who are looking to stay in the game and keep yourself looking young and feeling youthful. Ask about their anti-aging and rejuvenation treatments as well. I will be tracking my progress as I go through the treatment, as you guys have seen with BioAccelerator, and giving you, the audience, updates as I heal and overcome these injuries on my journey back to the ring. If you or someone you know suffers from a life of pain or complications due to a major medical condition, join the likes of UFC Hall of Famer Matt Hughes, Chuck Liddell, WWE stars like Kevin Nash, Rey Mysterio, and myself. You can contact BioAccelerator directly, guys. As for my personal friend, David Truitt, he's the one who has reached out to me and helped me from the very beginning. He will help you through the consultation process with the same level of care and expertise as he did for me. Start your path to wellness and become a BioX man or BioX woman today at www.stemcells.bioaccelerator.com slash Ryback dash Reeves. That's BioAccelerator. B-I-O-X-C-E-L-L-E-R-A-T-O-R www.stemcells.bioaccelerator.com slash Ryback dash Reeves. You've heard us talk about Real Good Foods before on the podcast and just how much I love their Real Good pizzas and enchiladas. Now Real Good Foods also has their new poppers, which are a super low-carb cross between a chicken nugget and a jalapeno popper. All of their foods are low-carb, grain-free, gluten-free, and keto-friendly. Most items have as low as 3 to 4 grams of carbs per serving. From their chicken crust pizza, enchiladas, cauliflower crust pizzas, 
snack bite pizzas, and poppers, you can't go wrong with anything from Real Good Foods. All items are available at realgoodfoods.com, on Amazon, and in retail locations all over the country, with a store locator on their website. Save 10% with discount code RYBACK off of realgoodfoods.com. Real Good Foods. Feed me more. All right, we're back. We've got Raj Geary here with the Pro Wrestling Report from Wrestling Inc. How are you doing this week? Good. How about yourself? Doing very well, thank you. It's uh, It's been another busy week, I imagine. It has been. Uh, never a dull moment, and it's only going to get crazier here with uh, <laughs> NXT going live here in a couple weeks. It's right around the corner. This is uh, going to be a lot of wrestling on TV coming very soon. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so it, a, a strange story broke out this week. Uh, did you hear about the the whole Chris Jericho having his title belt uh, lost or stolen? Yeah, that whole story is very interesting to me. The way, yeah. because it was, can, if you can explain it a little bit. Because, sure. Yeah, because I saw the thing they said where the guy found it in the street, in the bag, <laughs> which leads me to believe that maybe it was left on top of the limo. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Uh, I don't know. So it started with Jericho's flying to Tampa. Uh, his flight got diverted to Tallahassee due to the hurricane. Uh, so he landed. Uh, he was taking the limo. Uh, while the flight was diverted, he went to a Longhorn Steakhouse. So you hear a lot of people talking about the Longhorn Steakhouse now. Big fan uh, of Longhorn. Well, <laughs> I've actually never had it. I'm going to have to try it. It's now. actually good. <laughs> it, so it's a chain? It's or a chain it restaurant. Just- but I mean, it's like... Uh, like, I love Outback Steakhouse, and yeah, it, I, I don't know. It's like along the lines of that. Uh, so anyway, the limo driver had picked up some of the wrong luggage, went back to the airport while Jericho was eating, came back somewhere along the way. The, the title belt was gone. It was, in a, uh, it was in a bag in the car. Carrying case, uh, like kind of, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So apparently it was either in the car or whatever, but they got back, realized it was missing. Jericho fi- uh, filed a police report, and... There was nothing mentioned publicly, but then all of a sudden that police report, someone noticed it and it came out and it, and it became public. Uh, Jericho kind of made a storyline out of the whole thing. He did, he cut a promo from his pool uh, talking about how he's launching a worldwide investigation. This was all on Tuesday, I believe. The very next day, uh, the belt was found. It was turned into the Tallahassee Police Department. Uh, the guy who found it uh, claimed he found it on the side of the road and turned it in uh, that morning. Uh, or, or he had found it on Sunday, uh, had posted on Craigslist that he found this title belt. Was A that couple- confirmed that he did post it on Craigslist also? And so he, so the police didn't confirm that part, but they said that he provided receipts uh, and other documentation, text messages, emails. So apparently they did confirm it. So much of this seems suspicious, but uh, so he claims he found it on the side of the road. Uh, he's 41-year-old Frank Price at Tallahassee. He was celebrating his birthday de- that day, uh, said he saw the bag on the side of the road, picked it up, uh, took it home, opened it, which is, if you find a bag on the side of the road, I think you'd probably open it up there, right? Not casting suspicions, but <laughs> anyway, so went home, saw the belt, uh, told his wife, and his wife Googled it, found saw some stuff about the AEW world title belt, uh, but didn't think anything of it. Anyway, it was reported stolen. A bunch of people responded to his Craigslist uh, entry saying that the this is probably the belt. He contacted police, turned it in. When he went to turn it in, the limo driver was there. 
and who was Mike Vaughn, owner of Mike's Limousine Service. So Vaughn said he was planning to file an insurance claim for the missing belt and was pleased that it was found. And he gave the person who found it a $200 reward. Uh, detectives called Frank later that day, and they said they needed to see him again to take a sworn statement. They were su- they were suspicious about the reward and wondered if Price had called Vaughn to arrange their meeting at police headquarters. Uh, that's when Price turned over uh, the emails, text messages, and whatnot. And so, yeah, uh, Price said that uh, he would not be surprised if he hears from police again, but, you know, he, he was not a part of it. And... Uh, Police have not said whether he is under investigation or not. So anyway, that uh, that's kind of the gist of it. Your thoughts. So one of two things, and Chris is a very creative individual. (laughs) So scenario number one is because if the championship was left in the limo, the championship would not end up on the road. If the, now it's possible that, that Chris had a little bit too much of the bubbly and set the championship on top of the limo, and as that guy drove away, it somehow came off on the freeway, which again, though, really hard to believe that from the Longhorn, unless that entrance to the freeway was right near the Longhorn, how that belt didn't fall off somewhere sooner on the top of the car. Unless it's really heavy. Yeah, very possible, and, and yeah, and it, and it is it does look very heavy actually. So that that's a very likely scenario that that possibly could have happened if that was if that is the the deal, or it was a very creative uh, plan that all along to get a little buzz with everything. Either either scenario, Chris is always the man because one, if it happened on accident, he had a little too much bubbly, left it on top of the the limo, he fucking made the whole thing work or two it was all planned and he made the whole thing work so and uh the, i saw the the uh, limp biscuit video uh <laughs> it's all about the bubbly which i'm a big fan of limp so it, it's a win-win no matter what the scenario is and, and chris once again either turned a negative into a positive or just had an amazing plan from the beginning to get more buzz with the championship yeah yeah it's it's a wild story uh quickly settled uh, the belt they said was worth twenty nine thousand one hundred dollars. We have several articles on it at Wrestling Inc. So uh, if you want to check out more, uh, we have more there. But it is oh. a wild story, and Jericho just made the best of it. He's got you know the, the bubbly T shirts now on Pro Wrestling Tees. We just got another year of rate. merch out of this. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Whether yeah. in which way, if this happened all by accident, it's even funnier to me that that if that that is the case. I just don't see if the championship was in the limo. How it ends up on the freeway? It, it, that, how to, I would, if you do, you have any ideas how that could happen? No, unless the only way would be if like the limo driver was in cahoots with someone and they had the scheme to take it and wait for a reward to come out and then turn it in, and then it turns into like ah, a scheme. That's another street. scenario number three. The driver, <laughs> if they did, if they did have a plan, and then they just they didn't realize it was going to blow up into such a big deal. Right. Uh, do you know what the W? That's a very good point. That's also scenario number three. The uh, Do you know what the WWE championships are worth by chance? I am not. Um, that's something I can look up for next time. But that'd yeah, be very uh, interesting to know who has the more expensive championship. Yeah. Because those replicas they set, sell on the dot com are the same ones we use on TV. Oh, really? Yeah. There's no difference in those championships. Like, I have huh. the replica here they sent, and then I've seen fans with the replica. They're the exact same titles we have at TV. So, huh. 
that's very interesting. If AEW went all out and really, really spent that kind of money on a championship, yeah, that's pretty. It's actually pretty cool if that's because I don't think WWE. And maybe I am wrong on that. I don't have the facts. So that is, if we could find that out, I think that'd be the Universal Championship or the WWE Championship versus AEW price wise. Yeah, and both those titles are very similar. So I'm guessing price wise, they're probably similar. But yeah, I'll, I'll see if I can uh, find something out on that. Another big story, uh, big changes in the WWE creative team this week. Uh, Ryan Ward, who had been working as the lead writer for SmackDown, is on a personal leave. Um, it's not, and he won't be re- returning to that position. Mental breakdown. <laughs> Mental <laughs> breakdown. It was also reported that he's getting married, but I'm sure uh, he's probably going to be enjoying that time off. The last probably like seven weeks, all you all you'll hear on Tuesdays is how Vince McMahon tore the SmackDown script and rewrote it and rewrote it at the last minute. Anyways, Ward is gone from SmackDown. Ed Kosky, who is the the lead writer of Bra, is now going to be the lead writer of SmackDown. Uh, he'll be working under Eric Bischoff. Uh, he's currently WWE's vice pres- president of creative writing. The new Raw lead writer, lead writer is Jonathan Beckstorm, who had been working under, who will be working under Raw executive director Paul Heyman. But previously, he was the lead writer for 205 Live. So yeah, so he was recently moved to the Red Brand when uh, Heyman was hired as executive director. So those are all the changes creatively. And the plan now is Raw and SmackDown to go back to completely split brands uh, when SmackDown goes to Fox in the fall, and they're going to have another draft. That will be the week after the 20th anniversary show on Fox, the 20, 20th anniversary of SmackDown. So it'll be on SmackDown first and then Raw the following night in Denver. So uh, a lot going on there. Ryback, back your thoughts. No, it comes down to like, I know Ryan in from my time there. And I always like, I always, him and Ed, I always got along with really well. They're, they come off as genuine, nice guys. It's pure hell there. I, and I, I, I think about this all the time, Raj. About like if I want to go back, I don't want to ever go back into that system ever. Like it, I, I just I can't ever imagine myself going back and subjecting myself, no matter how much money, anything. It because it's fucking. I wish fans could understand. It's from a wrestler standpoint, it is the worst experience in the world, and it's these poor, poor human beings. They just shuffle them in and out. If you and you see, it's the same thing every time. Road Dog is a creative fucking guy. None of these guys are allowed to just do their thing, and that's what the problem is. It's all going back, and this is what we talked about. They just bring in new guys, and that, and it's all who can survive Vince's bullshit at the end of the day. And it's everything is going back to Vince, and you're hearing he's ripping up the show because here's the thing. These people are trying to make superstars and trying to make sense of everything. And then Vince has his fucked up business model to make sure nobody becomes that big of a star. So he has to do damage control every week. And the best way he can do that is by just ripping shit up and making people throw shit against the wall and just picking it off. And that and that's what you're getting. And every once in a while, something will be okay. But then it will kind of, you'll see it not be okay. And it's been the formula for ever since they bought out WCW. So it doesn't matter. And Paul. Paul is great at working Vince and, and putting up with Vince's bullshit, and he knows the deal. And it's it's just a game rather than, okay, we got Heyman and his guy doing Raw. We got Bischoff and his team doing SmackDown. Let's make a bunch of fucking superstars. That's not what's going on. It's who can write every week and get it ripped up and just deal with Vince's bullshit for the next two years before they got to replace him. That's all that it is. And if you look at the patterns of the business, that's all that it's been. And I feel I truly, truly sympathize with everybody in that creative position that has to deal with fucking Vince. He's out of his mind. Hunter, I'm telling you, Hunter knows he's out of his fucking mind. And it's and nobody has the balls to tell him, and that's the problem. But it's his business. 
at the end of the day. So if you want to go work there and put yourself in that environment, you got to deal with his bullshit. So that's what's going on. Point blank. <laughs> now, what are your thoughts on the draft coming back? Because they just had the draft in April. Already, the, you have wrestlers all over the place. SmackDown, you, you don't even know who's on which brand anymore. Uh, we've seen this already several times where they split the rosters. Ratings at some point start to fall. They panic, and then it's just a free-for-all. How long do you think they will stick to the schedule before either USA says, hey, you got too many stars on SmackDown, it's hurting Raw, vice versa, you know, we need more star power. It'll last until you- the networks put pressure on them. So they're gonna what they're gonna try to do is do their best to rebalance the 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 rosters with the star power to try to probably balance it out as much as possible. So this might be the first true draft where we see in SmackDown might possibly even have the stronger roster because Raw will always probably do a little bit better numbers because it's Raw regardless. So this is this is going to be very interesting, but they're now and again this is this is tough because they're dealing with two major networks and they they're making a lot of money from these networks. So that's what they got to bend over when those networks when they start barking and it's and if one's barking this way and the other's barking that way, it's and they got shareholders. It's just chaos. It really is, and it's not a it's tough. They're not on the same network now, and it's just they're play. They got competitors almost in a way, and it, it's really I feel bad for the talent. I, I love the split roster and the talent you need. You can't be even doing that job four days a week is too much. It's hell. You have no life. It's it's absolutely the the most miserable experience on the world outside of the actual wrestling part of it and in being around the fans and whatnot. So I, I hope they stick with it for the for the talent standpoint because those talent are running on red already and they got to do five days a week on top of all the tours and everything where they're gone for weeks at a time. It sucks. So. But in Fox seems to Fox is is paid a lot of money for this, and Fox is going to be expecting a certain level of results. And if they don't get it, and I'm talking if they don't get it right away, they're not gonna they're not gonna put up with. It. They're gonna start barking. It's and it's they're out there mercy a little bit with it. So I mean, we saw the 24 seven championship, and they've turned it into a a good thing. But I mean, and 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 there was criticism at first with that, but the whole way that whole came about, you know, was from from the TV side of things. And if they say you know, if Roman's on SmackDown and then USA, well, fuck, we want Roman back on Raw three weeks later because the numbers are down lower than they've been. Yeah. What do they, you know what I mean? So it, it, it's, I don't know. Yeah. So we're going to be having NXT versus AEW here in a few weeks. Uh, AEW's all out pay per view last weekend. According to the Wrestling Observer, it drew around 28,000 uh, standard TV pay-per-view buys. So that doesn't include BR Live. Okay. That's down about 20% from Double or Nothing. That drew about 35,000 standard pay-per-view, TV pay-per-view buys. And then the rest was BR Live and Fight TV International. It's predicted, the, the, the final BR Live numbers aren't in, but it, it was predicted in the Observer that it'll end up around 100,000 buys, which... Okay. Obviously, still really good. It's it'll be about ten down ten percent from double or nothing, which is one hundred eleven thousand buys, okay. but still successful. It seems like the numbers are starting to stabilize a bit uh, before they get on TV. Yeah, and again, these are one off pay per views in a way. There's no real; they don't have a TV buildup. So yeah, I think that's going to be the true test once they have TV and to see the lead up into these and and how they and it, it, again, it, it's going to probably be we're going to need a year worth of this to kind of look at the numbers and go over the reports and see how they're doing and see their growth trajectory or if they're not, if that, if it was hype and then starts dying down. I mean, I'm looking at it and from an AEW standpoint, I see they're doing Cody and Chris now for the next pay-per-view. They're going to, they're going to have a real challenge on their hands for these main event matchups. You think about it, they're going to burn through them, especially with TV too. 
where WWE has this whole roster of people. AEW does not have that. Yeah. So when you then all of a sudden have to throw Luchasaurus in there into the main event and he doesn't have, it's going to be a weird thing. And not to say they can't do it. I, they, I'm just, they're going to now have a TV product out there. They're going to have TV and the pay-per-views. And it's, and again, we got to just give them a chance and give them time and see how they elevate everyone. But we've talked about it in WWE. When you bring up a new talent is extremely difficult to get that talent over typically. And we're seeing it. Look at the war Raiders. Those guys have been on, they're not fucking over yet. It's not and I like, I like what they're doing and whatnot, but like it, it takes time. It might be another year before they even get anything going. And most guys we see, they get up and then they don't, nothing really happens. And then we get rare instances where guys just get over and, and it does happen. But you're now taking an entire roster and trying to make that happen. Yeah. What happens if that roster doesn't get over? And you're left with a few guys that, that were over and are over still. Creates an interesting dilemma. Mm-hmm. And and to your point, you, you talked about Full Gear. They announced Cody versus Jericho. They also announced Kenny Omega versus John Moxley. That match is finally going to happen there. Uh, tickets went on sale on Friday. Not sold out. Um, not an immediate sellout, uh, which is the first time for one of their big shows uh, so far that it yeah. didn't sell out the day of. So, yeah, we'll see. We're starting to see things come down to earth a little bit. Their, their product, people are seeing the product. They know, they know what they're going to offer. I think there's going to be some buzz with the TV. See how that goes. And then I think in, in the next six months, we'll have a good idea of what's going on with that. And I think they're going to, they're going to, I'm sure they're going to adjust as they go on with this and make this work one way or the other. I mean, they have to, it's sink or swim. They're, they're playing with the big boys now. So. Yeah. Uh, one story I forgot to mention that we didn't talk before the show. Um, Ric Flair, he yes. recently tr- uh, filed a trademark for the man. Becky Lynch had been using it. Uh, he filed it for wrestling purposes. He filed for it on August. So he did an interview with TMZ. He saw that when Becky first started using it, uh, he was happy. And he was like, okay, cool. She's using it uh, with the feud with his daughter, Charlotte. And then he can also make some money on the side because Everyone in the wrestling area, I mean, there's been a movie called The Man, but there's no, the trademark that Ric Flair had to be the man, you got to beat the man, was for wrestling purposes. And everyone with wrestling, when they hear The Man, they think of Ric Flair. So Flair is saying that uh, he's owned that trademark since 81. He's been using that phrase. Uh, He expected to get some sort of royalties from it. Uh, that hasn't happened. WWE has brushed him off, which clearly uh, upset Flair. He said he approached uh, WWE attorneys twice who said they weren't even close to the same thing, the trademarks. Uh, he approached they're full Triple of H. shit, by the way. Fuck their attorneys. <laughs> That's straight up. And I'll tell you some more on that. But keep going. Sure. Flair approached Triple H uh, to told him if push comes to shove, he's going to file for it. He loves Becky Lynch. Uh, he, he, you know, he loves all he loves WWE, but it, you know, he, that is associated with him. That was something he created. He made famous. Uh, he feels like he should get something from it. He will. Uh, yeah. Becky Lynch, uh, after she saw Rick's trademark filing, she replied, I am the man. That was kind of it. And then, you know, Flair uh, explaining his side. Um, and seems to suggest that he, he will go the legal route if he needs to. So he has filed and he owns to be the man. You got to beat the man and wrestling and entertainment, correct? Uh, correct. And that is still active. His trademark on that. Uh, correct. So he will, all he has to do, and I'll explain this to people because I'm dealing with this myself with these pieces of shit right now. So Becky and them using the man and then fi- trying to file that trademark. That they're going to file for that in wrestling and entertainment services to sell merchandise and de-advertise it in wrestling events and whatnot. 
it is extremely similar to Ric Flair's. And it, 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 it's, it's using the phrase the man, 100%. So that is all Rick. Now, what Rick is going to have to do, Rick is going to have to file for the man also, most likely, and put a cancel on their trademark on theirs. And that's going to get dragged out for a long time. Now, probably for anywhere from 12 to 18 months. And I could tell you, so WWE, with my trademark, with Ryback, I own Feed Me More and I own the big guy. Ryback, we were waiting for them to let that trademark expire, that they never had my approval to trademark that I owned before I got there. They refiled for that trademark on the last day of the deadline. So now what I have to do is I have to cancel their trademark and spend upwards of forty dollars to $60,000 in attorney fees to fight this to make sure that I get that. And it's going to take anywhere from a year to a year and a half from when we file to cancel their trademark. But this is what I explained to people. Even Ric Flair, who is friends with Triple H, these people, they're fucking pieces of shit. They, there's no need. They have no respect for any talent there. The only reason they give a fuck about the man is because they're trying to make money off of Becky with it right now. And that's all they fucking care about. And the, how much money they make and the talent makes hardly shit on it. So now Rick is going to have to spend this money. And what's going to happen is they're going to fucking punish Charlotte. And it's gonna. It, this is how it works. And people, and it's all going to... And then they're going to pressure Rick with Charlotte. I guarantee you they play that card against him. Make him feel fucking guilty as a father with all of this. It just sucks. Whereas all they would have to do is just pay Rick a royalty to use the man is what they should do. Is because he, he's been using that phrase far before Becky. And respect is a big thing in wrestling. And that's a big problem in today's generation is people think they can come up and do other people's moves and do other people's fucking things. It, there, there used to be respect in the business. You just don't do that. So I, yeah. I feel for Rick and it's, it's cause he, I mean, he's, and he's had his health issues and different things and you want to, again, WWE's helped him out over the years, but it's like he said, he loves the business and like, you know, loves them, but he feels like they don't respect him and they don't, they don't respect anybody. And that all comes down from Vince and his shit attorneys. He has running that place. It's all, I'm telling you, it's a fucking devil's network at that whole fucking corporation. And you mentioned Charlotte. Uh, Flair did mention that Charlotte was upset with him during this process. Um, there was a commercial, a WWE 2K commercial uh, released for the Women's Evolution, where you had Hulk Hogan, Steve Austin, Bret Hart, and Shawn Michaels kind of uh, exchanging, and Bret Hart uh, exchanging quips about who the man is. And it seems like that's a spot that Ric Flair would have been in. This was taped months ago. Yep. I don't know if Flair was there and taped for it, and they cut him out, but... Flair is not advertised for the upcoming uh, 20th SmackDown uh, anniversary show, so it's clear that uh, they're going to be cutting ties with him, at least for the time being. Yeah, and it's unfortunate. There's no need. This is what I tell people, and it's like, what is Rick supposed to do? Just let them take what's his? No, yeah. it's not. And, now, and I told you, it's, what's, it's going to affect Charlotte. And, and granted, Charlotte's been given a lot. Charlotte busted her ass, though, all these years, and has is, is worked. And I was there and saw her coming in, and she works very hard as does everybody there. But this is what we talk, I talk about with this, this huge major corporation and the shit they try to pull and how I'm, what I've gotten away with with them and what I've actually gotten. And what I, I'm still three over three years gone. These, they're, they're trying to, so they're trying to control Ryback. They want Ryback so they don't have to pay me to use me on. And this is another thing they do. YouTube videos. They're making insane fucking re ad revenue off of YouTube with all the talent, and they don't pay any of us. They still use my stuff and everybody on that roster. They don't pay them a dollar of social media fucking revenue. That's a whole using everybody's likeness, which is crazy. So that's one of the reasons they want to own Ryback 
is so they don't got to pay me royalties on anything and for the network and all the other shit that they, because once I fucking own it, they're going to have to pay me to use my name. And it's, but like they're doing it with a guy like Rick with that. All they have to do is just give him a royalty percentage and Rick would be happy. That's, he even said it. Like, I mean, throw him fucking 20%, 15, 20, 25%, something. He fucking came up with it. Yeah. it, it it's just, I don't get it. So you 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 changed your name obviously to yeah. Ryback. So you you still don't own the trademark trademark. Is that WWE's now or are you still fighting? No. So they what they did is they refiled it, and I I believe I have till February to cancel it, which we will do. So, but once I start that process, we're looking at twelve to eighteen months, and I'm just going to rack up attorney fees that entire time. So that's what I, people they solely did that so they won't have to pay me and for me to pay to fight that. And what's going to happen is I'm going to win that. But I'm going to end up having to pay forty to sixty thousand thousand. Everything I have now, I'm Ryback and all my stuff, which is why they can't fight it. They want it though for future use, so that they they don't have to pay me anything that they use my image on or likeness on and whatnot. And it's they're just they're ruthless, and it it, it it's, they're doing it to make me spend money one or thinking that I want it when it fight it. Which why they would think that at this point is beyond me. So, but that's what we have to do now on my end on that. As far as it's just, it's fucking stupid. All of it. So while, so while you're fighting it, they can still continue to use it until it's Settled, their trademark probably. is declined. Yeah. And whatnot. Cause we, fi- I filed for it already. So my, my trademark is filed as well for it. And now in what happens is it all just gets, it all kind of cancels out each other where, and then, but what's going to hopefully happen is once I do own it, then there will, there'll be some. That will be the interesting part on that, and and whatnot. They're probably and what they'd have to pull all the YouTube videos with me. We, I can just report them and have them taken down with that. But they've already made the ad revenue off of all of my stuff, which they're doing. That's another thing with the talent. This is what bothers me with them is their social media. Do you know on their last last 2018 what they made from social media revenue? No, I don't. I don't have that. It on was me. it was their because their WWE is like forty something million subscribers on YouTube. And yeah. the amount of content, they are making millions and millions of dollars on YouTube. And that's mm-hmm. not going to the talent, just so people right. know. And who do they use for all their videos? Right. right. So yeah. another interesting point of what's going on in that company. And I'm just I'm just pointing out facts. And yeah. it's 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 really disturbing knowing that what's going on. But that's the deal. I feel for Rick, man. It, it is it's a fucked up environment there when it comes to all that. Mm-hmm. You see they're <laughs> filing for all the NXT names too. Now they right. have to, because before they didn't give a shit as much because those guys, NXT, Network, we don't have to worry about it yet. Now they're going to do a sweep of all those guys. They don't want you, they don't want you to own your stuff. And you are getting, you are getting Network royalties, right? They did start giving those out. I haven't seen anything on royalties from ne- the Network yet. I got to okay. go back. I'll have to look at the next one that comes in. My royalties have declined substantially the last every quarter from the time I left. They were, they were really solid for the first couple of years. And then they've gone to they're they're almost non-existent at this point because they're not selling really anything that I'm involved in anymore. So, gotcha. Um, well, the final story, uh, not really a big one. NXT, uh, is, you know, debuting on the USA Network here in a couple weeks. So for this month, uh, when they debut on the 18th, on the 18th and the 25th, it will now just be one hour on the USA Network that's live, and then they'll cut to the WWE Network for the second hour. Uh, so. 
one hour is live on USA, second hour is live on uh, the WWE Network. And then starting in October, the night that AEW uh, premieres, they're going to be going head to head for the full two hours on USA. Not a, Again, not a big deal, but uh, I'm not sure if it was a USA Network request to you know, iron out their Wednesday night schedule, get you know get rid of whatever shows are on that night, or if it was a network thing, but that is the uh, the case right now. Yeah, tough to call on that. Could be either on that. Maybe it could be a little bit of both. Maybe a way to kind of get some people to go to the network to see mm-hmm. that see it on USA. Maybe try to get some network subscriptions out of it to see if that works for a, for a month. I don't. It, it could be a numerous things. The USA thing sounds like that could be a very logical thing to give them time to work out their thing, the schedule. So. Yeah. Uh, well, it was a, a wild week. Uh, <laughs> it was, uh, and yeah, a lot of great insight on the uh, the trademark issue. That's always fascinating stuff. So uh, I want to thank you again for having me on your show. Likewise. And anything, Raj, you want to go ahead and plug this week? Uh, as always, check out WrestlingInc.com. We have uh, new interviews with Rob Van Dam, uh, Jerry the King Lawler, uh, Teddy Long coming up. Um, so uh, yeah, just Please check us out for all your wrestling news, especially in a crazy time like this. There's a ton out there, and we stay on top of it. Good deal. I appreciate it, Raj, as always. And we'll be right back, guys, after these messages. Baseball season is in full swing, and placing a wager on baseball has never been more exciting than with BetOnline.ag. This week, I'm not watching any of the game, guys, because you know the big guy, Ryback, is doesn't watch much sports, to be quite honest. But I'm not against it at all. And if you love sports and you love betting, BetOnline.ag is your place because now you can save an extra 50% added on to your sports betting bankroll when you go to clnsmedia.com slash Ryback and use code CLNS50. The best part is the bonus will be added onto your balance within seconds. Again, support our podcast by going to clnsmedia.com slash Ryback and use code CLNS50. A minimum deposit of $25 is required to qualify for the bonus, and please see BetOnline's general rules for additional terms and conditions regarding bonuses. BetOnline.ag, your one-stop shop for online betting. Hey, what's going on, guys? It's the big guy, Ryback, and I want to talk to you about Fuel Meals, my personal meal prep service I've been using for years. Meal prep at your doorstep. Fuel Meals at FuelMeals.com has something for everybody. An easy way to eat healthy in this fast-paced life we are all living. Whenever I'm in a pinch, I go to my Fuel Meals and I love it. I love to eat real food, but the fact is I can't cook for every single meal of the day. So Fuel Meals come in handy for me when I need it most, and I think it could help you too. Tell them the big guy sent you and use discount code THEBIGGUY to save 15%. FuelMeals.com Feed me more. And I am back. Big thank you this week to Gary Wilson for coming on. I think that was a, that was a great conversation. I think hopefully can uh, raise some awareness on that to some people. And if uh, you could relate to that or you think that is maybe something you want to look further into, uh, you could check out his book, Your Brain on Porn. And another, another great book by Matt Frad is The Porn Myth on those and i think you guys will find this stuff very fascinating it's actually shown in another book i was just reading oh it's a great great book actually the guy is pretty strong opinion on things but and it, it's it's a, it, there's a lot of interesting 
things, uh, hard times create strong men, I believe is, yes, hard times create, uh, hard times create strong men by Stefan Arneo. And, uh, I believe, hopefully I'm not botching that last name. Good chance that I did. But, uh, they talk about in there that people that are struggling, if you go into their houses or say people, you go into a family's house, that's very, and you know, unfortunately low income, um, they have health issues that, that, that it's just, they're not in a good place that you will, you will find almost every time, um, lots of fast food, lots of unhealthy food, lots of sugary sodas, things of that nature. You will find, um, alcohol, marijuana, possibly other drugs, but alcohol, marijuana, or one or the other, typically inside the home, usually by the adults. Um, you will find lots of video games. You will find lots of porn. And just kind of look at those things, and they all kind of, and you'll, you'll, they'll have like a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of TV time, things of that nature, a lot of things that distract you. And uh, they all typically, I believe they also mentioned everyone has cell phones, which, I mean, this day and age, pretty much everyone does. But the distractions on social media and whatnot with the dopamine, I think, and this stuff is all, you can't just tell people you can't do this, and it doesn't work like that. But like I said, I think if we have an understanding of what this stuff can do to us and how maybe a lot of the problems that we have in our lives could be redirected back to this, that if we could find the root of the cause, we could then start working on solving our problems. So that is another thing that I'm trying to do here for people is help help people as I help myself. Like I said, trying to always learn and better myself. <clears throat> and I don't play video games anymore. I used to as a kid, and it's if you play them, again, I think it's that's cool, but understanding how they could become very addictive and you could cover up a lot of your problems in video games that won't transfer over to real life and, and whatnot. But you can, again, in moderation, balance, I don't think there's a problem with those sorts of things for entertainment and things of that nature. But I think it's, it's when you start adding all this stuff together, but the whole, the whole conversation on porn, it's just so deep because it involves our pleasure center, pleasure centers. And it, it's, it's very uh, deep rooted in our brains and uh, it can cause, and as we've seen in, in, from that discussion, it can cause a lot of problems in men and women. And it's um, it's scary that we have now people that they're being started on it at a very young age, and it's um, raising awareness. That's all we could do. So hopefully you guys got a little something out of that. Moving on, moving on this week, guys. I want to go ahead and do a couple thank yous before I go to my nutrition uh, tip of the week and my thought of the week, motivational thought of the week, whatever you want to go ahead and. We'll label that. Big thank you, as always, to our sponsors, Real Good Foods. Go to realgoodfoods.com. Save 15% with discount code RYBACK. They got the keto enchiladas, keto pizzas, the, the keto low-carb breakfast sandwiches and poppers. Guys, they got the cauliflower pizza. Great foods. I've been working with them for a while. They're a major sponsor of this show. So if you can give them a, a, a follow on Real Good Foods on Instagram, social media, Twitter, and uh, check out realgoodfoods.com and, and use that discount code if you decide to check them out. Ryback right for 15%. Fuel Meals, my personal meal prep service. Save 15% with discount code, the big guy. That's fuelmeals.com. 
their fuel meals on social media as well. They have a lot of great, healthy meal options. Meal prep at your doorstep. They, they ship it out frozen every week, guys. If again, the, been a major sponsor of myself here and this show um, for years now. And I'm very thankful to work with them. I was using them for a year before I did business with them. Um, and, I, and I use um, 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 a lot of ums this week with that. I'm all over the place. I'm busy, guys. So I'm, I'm already thinking of 10 other things I got to do once I, I get done knocking this out for the week. So it's uh, always a lot going on. Feed me more nutrition. Guys, my personal my personal supplement line, sweetened with stevia and monk fruit. We're available on feedmemore.com and Amazon. You can save 20% with this podcast with code podcast20. We have a lot of great deals and specials on there. Check them out. And uh, if you have any questions, hit us up uh, at the website or on social media, and we'll do our best to get back to you and and help answer any of your questions, guys. We are growing rapidly though and getting bigger and bigger and bigger and again branded our brand ambassadors we have launched that program we have the contracts done up if you have a significant following of twenty thousand people or over on social media and you would like to work with us at feed me more nutrition please contact me or or the other accounts on social media and uh, hopefully we could see if we would be a good fit for you and vice versa where it's a supplement allowance per month with a certain amount of posts per week and uh Get that all worked out as we grow our brand ambassadors for Feed Me More Nutrition. Special thank you to Wiretap Radio, CLNS Media, a wrestling historian of the wrestling classic, as always. My boy, DJ Dells, the sneaker addict. He's the one responsible for all the YouTube and, uh, and, and getting that YouTube channel firing and growing. Again, thank you guys. Please subscribe. Uh, to this show on Ryback TV. We have a lot of clips. We're doing the food challenges. The channel is uh, growing very nicely now. And uh, where I, I, again, we didn't focus on it for the longest time. And nobody knew where I was or what was going on. And it's crazy because, like I said, Instagram and Twitter, they punish, they limit my restrictions severely on there because they want me to pay to promote my stuff like I used to. And they're doing it to a lot of people on there. Whereas YouTube rewards me for my content and pushes it out to people because they're making money on the ads as we are. So it's way more exposure for me on YouTube. So if you can give me a follow, and it's my favorite platform now because they actually reward us for putting out content. Whereas all these others, if you look at my engagement is the shits on social media. Twitter was from all the ads and whatnot, but Instagram's a whole other story with Facebook and it is what it is. I'm not going to waste any energy on it, but Thank you to YouTube for allowing me to find my audience again and for my audience to find me. It's been a beautiful thing to see, and I'm very uh, happy to see the positivity and the love on there, and I thank you guys tremendously for that. All right, guys, we're going to go ahead and go into my nutrition tip of the week brought to you by Feed Me More Nutrition. This is for 7-Keto DHEA, guys. It's a naturally occurring byproduct of DHEA. It's produced in the adrenal glands. It's a metabolite of DHEA. Um, it, it does not convert to testosterone or estrogen. It's not like DHEA. So it's not used to, to adjust your hormones in men or anything of that nature. What DHEA is great for, though, it's enhanced immune function, decreased muscle loss, decreased stress. It increases me- metabolic rate significantly, and it, it can accelerate weight loss in healthy, adult, uh, healthy adults. Uh, the one I personally use, and we're going to eventually bring this 
to Feed Me More Nutrition as an individual standalone supplement. Uh, I use, though, the 100 milligram uh, capsules. There's 90 capsules. It's $27.91 on Amazon. Jarro formula, J-A-R-R-O-W. They're 100 milligram capsules. There's 90 of them in it. I take 100 milligrams twice a day with my Shell Shock Extreme Fat Burner. It stacks extremely well with Shell Shock Extreme Fat Burner. And I'd stopped taking it for probably... I, it was one of those things I, I was recommended by my doctor that I be on it at all times after getting blood work done. And I forgot how great my body responds to this. I've been back on it for a week and already noticed getting leaner, taking it with my Shell Shock Extreme Fat Burner. No bullshit, guys. So if you're a big fan of the Shell Shock Extreme Fat Burner, man or woman, and you want to enhance it with a good stack, it stack it with that, that 7-keto DHEA, I promise you, you will not regret that decision. Look it up online. There's lots of research on it, guys. It's healthy. It's not nothing. It's not going to affect you negatively. But do your own research, please. Look it up. Read some studies on it. And in that way, you know, ask consult with your physician if you need to. That way you feel good uh, about adding that in to the regimen. All right, moving on. My thought of the week this week as I go to my Forbes thought of the day book. And it is Hope Never Abandons You, You Abandon It. Hope Never Abandons You, You Abandon It, by George Weinberg. Hope never abandons us. Hope is always there. And I think that comes down to our mindset, guys. And for me, when I read that, if I would look back and when I broke my ankle and leg when I was part of the Nexus and doctors telling me I was never going to wrestle again or never going to walk normal again or be able to do anything athletic ever again, would have been really easy to give up hope and to go all in on what they're telling me, especially when you have several doctors telling you that, I never gave up hope. If I would have, but if I would have taken the mindset that I was done, I would have went the other way. And again, this quote, very powerful: "Hope never abandons you; you abandon it." I never abandoned hope in that situation. When I left WWE, and I came to, and I realized how serious my back and shoulder was, and they told me I needed a five disc fusion. And they told me I needed a shoulder replacement. It would have been really easy to just get a, get 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 the, the prescription for the pain pills and to get take those until I needed the fusion and the shoulder replacement and then stay on those pain pills after that. would have been really easy to give up hope and do that. I didn't give up hope. Nope, I'm going to find another way. I've always, that's just always been my mentality. So I relate, relate heavily to this quote by George Weinberg. Uh, on not abandoning hope. It's our mindset. And if we choose to abandon it, it will be gone. But it's always there for us if we want to believe, if we don't give up and uh, keep that feed me more mentality, that that hungry mindset. And because uh, we all have our stories, we all have negative things going on in our lives. We all have our own personal battles and stories and, and different things we need to, obstacles we need to overcome. So I think it's important for us to keep that in mind. And I really, really like that quote. And that's my thought of the week this week on that, guys. With that, moving on, moving on before I wrap up this week's show and uh, with the plugs here, some of the other plugs, I do want to th- say a big thank you to Bio Accelerator. I'm feeling very good, guys, to give you a little update on that. My back, I tell, like I said last week, no pain in my back at all. And uh, BioAccelerator is the company that flew me down or took, I went down there. They paid for my treatment 
for my stem cell procedures on my back shoulder and my left leg to try to get my big toe working again in the inside of my foot. Um, the, the, the cartilage of my shoulder is regrowing. I'm not, I, I just did legs the other day, uh, but no weights, no, like no weighted squats or anything. I'm going to try to go this whole month with no upper body weights, just doing calves, abs, neck machine, but no, nothing using my shoulders or anything like that. I'm giving it another month to really let this cartilage keep filling in because I I'm, I'm noticing a, a difference. It is coming in and I just got to let it, let it do its healing magic work. It's going to take time. But it's finally something's working for my shoulder, whereas my back has been very responsive to all this. My shoulder wasn't because the treatments in the United States weren't powerful enough. But my leg and my ankle were just waiting. That's going to take months to see if those nerves can regenerate into that big toe tendon. But update you guys, we're about five weeks in. I feel great. I feel fantastic. I'm looking forward to seeing in the next couple of months the progress that I do make. I'm looking forward to getting back in the gym and start start getting my weights there and what I'm going to do too for Ryback TV because I get a lot of comments on this guys is we are going to I'm eventually going to be hiring out somebody to video me and document a lot of my life uh my healthy eating because I know there's some people they don't understand they see me eating that that cheat meal the giant cheat meal they don't understand it salads and vegetables and lean lean chicken and turkey and some steak all the rest of my protein shakes throughout the rest of the day uh all week and they're just seeing that little glimpse and they don't understand that, that there's a lot of healthy eating. So I want to show that to show people how I eat because it's very, that way you can see what you have to do to kind of start changing your diet. And it takes consistency day in and day out of doing this stuff. But we're going to have people following me, getting my workouts as I'm feeling back in shape, able to push myself. We're going to be doing, that's going to be a whole other series for Ryback TV as we grow this channel. And I told you guys, I have the ability now that, you know, fuck it. If I don't ever want to go back to WWE or AEW, I can just go do some indie matches here and there. I'll document everything. We'll put it on my channel. You guys can still see me on my channel each and every week. And chances are, at the end of the day, I'm gonna, that channel is going to be bigger than a lot of other things going on when this is all said and done. And uh, we're working on different things. We're going to have whining with the Ryback, where I enjoy a little bit of red wine and uh, read hate comments from fans. And I'll be I'll be wearing a nice robe. It'll be a nice candle lit setting. Very calm, very peaceful, very zen monk-like as I uh, as I go ahead and, and share my positive thoughts with these lost souls that are reaching out desperately for attention. We shall give it to them on whining with the Ryback. So we have that coming to Ryback TV as well, guys, as this whole thing grows. I'm having a blast with it. I get to be creative. Nobody can tell me no. You guys get to see my real personality. And at the end of the day, when I fight and I'm serious, I'm serious when I fight. But if I want to have fun and laugh and show you uh, who and how I am in real life all the time, God damn it, I'm going to do it. So that's, I appreciate the love and the feedback on that, guys. But uh, for the stem cells, to wrap that up, because I'm all over the place again this week, check out BioAccelerator, guys. It's www.stemcells.bioaccelerator.com slash Ryback Reeves. That's B-I-O-X-C-E-L-L-E-R-A-T-O-R, www.stemcells.bioaccelerator.com slash Ryback dash Reeves. Check them out, guys. David Truitt is the guy that has hooked me up and helped me. He's helping all the WWE superstars, all the UFC guys. We just saw Matt Hughes down there this week. They're doing amazing things. They're, 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 really, they're, they're, they're doing something very special, guys. It's a really cool thing. Um, I'm very grateful. Um, that I was chosen to be be the first one with Kevin Nash to go down and uh, help get the word out on this amazing treatment for the wrestlers and 
life is good. Lots of smiles over here as, as I get healthier and healthier and very happy. So thank you. Check them out, guys, as well on that. And again, one last little thing. I do want to give a little thing for all fan mail. I always get asked, guys, please send all fan mail to P.O. Box 752-740, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89136. Making sure we're going there. Please just have return postage and uh, uh, an envelope, self-addressed envelope to return the stuff. One to two things, guys, please. On that is we quite a bit of fan mail. For all personal videos by myself, cameo.com slash the big guy Ryback. And uh get those back to you guys for any occasion. For all professional wrestling bookings, book uh Bill Barons at showbiz at AOL.com. S-H-O-W-B-I-S at AOL.com. And yes, AOL is still a thing. Ryback TV at youtube.com slash Ryback TV. Check out my book, Wake Up It's Feeding Time, my motivational book available on Amazon. On Audible, paperback, and Kindle formats. And follow me on social media, the big guy Ryback22 on Instagram. Feed me more nutrition on Instagram. Conversation with the big guy on Instagram, Ryback22 on Twitter at Feed Me More Nutrition on Facebook, Ryback247 at Snapchat. And thank you guys as always. You've just listened to another episode of Conversation with the Big Guy Ryback. Feed me more. with the big guy Ryback. Subscribe, like, rate, comment, and